0: happening in the land, Pharaoh is still saying, your people cannot go. Okay? And then, and then Moses goes into the, to the presence of Pharaoh for the last time and says, listen, if you don't let God's people go free from oppression, the very worst thing of all is going to happen to you. A plague is going to come on the land and every firstborn of men and animals is going to die. And Pharaoh's response is not any softer for this final plague. And he says, get out of here. He says to Moses, in in no uncertain terms, he says, if you see my face again, you will die. Okay? It's not just, I don't like you. Please, let's find another time to meet. It's, if you see my face again, you will die. Right? And listen, it says, and the Bible says, uh, when Moses left the presence of Pharaoh, he was hot with anger. And the, the, the Hebrew word, it means he was literally like broiling mad. Such was the, the moment with Pharaoh when Pharaoh refuses to let God's people go. But look what, look what Moses goes immediately, connects with God, and this is what God uh, tells Moses to tell the elders. Two things. Number one, all the people of, of Israel are to pack their bag tonight. And it wasn't just pack your bag because Pharaoh said yes, it's Pharaoh said, no, but pack your bag anyway, right? It was a total act of faith. And if you're like me, you like to get ready before you go on a trip, right? Not the last second. You, you want to know that your toothbrush is in the bag when you leave Egypt forever, okay? And so same deal is happening with Moses. By faith, pack your bag tonight. And the second thing was buy a lamb. Go out and purchase a lamb for the sacrifice, and uh, I lived in a country where animal sacrifice was happening, and there was a time where everybody had to buy a lamb, right? And in a country where people make about 200 bucks a month, they would spend $300 on a lamb. Okay, this is a major expense. And, and the Israelites in Egypt were proportionally probably much poorer than the people in the country where I lived, okay? And both of these things being done by faith. No yes at all has been communicated. Both of these things are done by faith. And and I asked uh, the prophetic team that works with me on these messages, specifically, what do you feel like God is saying to our church about this message? And the thing that God seemed to be highlighting is that in our own lives, it feels like we come across people and situations that are blocking the promise of God. The promise of God was for freedom and deliverance, and it felt like everything was blocked. It felt like nothing could move forward. And in those situations, we we get discouraged. We want to blame God. We want to feel betrayed or abandoned. But all that was required in this case was to believe and to prepare for God to move. Because just out of view, I mean just behind the scenes, supernatural things are happening where God is at work. And the Passover story is just like that. Everything seems to hinge on Pharaoh. And God's people take action by faith. They're taking action, and this action is taken by faith. They obey God. They pack for the journey, and they buy a lamb to sacrifice. They gather their, their covenant relationships under their roof. Their family, their close friends, the people who are in their world, come into their house for this moment of sacrifice and, and gathering. All right, and take a look here in Exodus twelve twelve. It says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt. This is the Lord speaking. And strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And the blood will be assigned to you on the houses where you live. And when I pass, sorry, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. I'm going to go through that again here. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Okay, uh, this is just one of those places in Scripture where God's view on uh, other religions uh, is is being expressed, right? And God says, referring to the gods of Egypt, He says, I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And God here is saying His holy and sacred name, the God who really is. God apparently does not view all religions as roads up the same mountain. In fact, God is saying that He is going to bring judgment on the gods of Egypt because He is the Lord. Now look at this next line. He says, the blood will be a sign to you. A sign of what? Well, I think there are two things that this blood is a sign of. One, and most obviously, the blood on the doors is a sign of the sacrifice which just happened in that house. And I think additionally, the blood on the doorposts is a sign of the sacrifice to come, which we find in Jesus on the cross. All right, and it says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the Hebrew word is Pesach, right? You all knew that. Uh, The Hebrew word is Pesach, and, and it has this imagery of like someone counting down the line, and then they Pesach and pass over. They skip the next one. Or almost the imagery of like a bird, which is sort of flying along, and instead of resting on the house, chooses to pass over it to rest somewhere else. And that's, that's the imagery for this moment where people escaped from death. And guys, this is so intense. I mean, does anyone feel that when they read the story? It's so intense. I mean, just look at the response of the Egyptians in Exodus twelve thirty three. This is just like, this is like, wow. All right. It says the Egyptians urged them to flee the country, quote, for otherwise we will all die. Wow, it's not hard to figure out the emotion that is being experienced here. Fear, fear was on the land. People were terrified of what God had just done. And this is is awful. I mean, it's awful in both senses of the word awful, both insofar as it causes us to experience awe, but insofar as we look at it and say, this is awful. The death of all these people. There was fear in the land. But look also at the faith that's happening in this story. When they packed their bags and sacrificed this lamb, they were still in slavery. And when they woke up the next morning, they were a free people marching out of the land of oppression, becoming the people of God. God made them a holy nation, not belonging to someone else, but belonging to God and living in freedom. And I want to come back again. Look at this focus on the blood of this sacrifice in this passage. It says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then look at these instructions that Moses gives in Exodus 12, 21 through 23. He says, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, which is like a kind of bush, and dip it in the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the door, on the top and the sides of your door frame, And not one of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. What an intense night. All right? And, and like, if you're living in America, animal sacrifice is not a big part of your life, I hope. Okay? This is, it's not a part of our everyday experience. You don't go to the meat section at Stop and Shop and like sharpen your knife and get the goat right there. Praise God, that is not how food service works in America. Um, <laughs> but why is there such a sacrifice? Why is there such a focus on the sacrifice? Why does that form uh, the critical pivot point in this story? I mean, is, is God sort of like into the death of farm animals in some way? Is there some, is there some connection there? Okay, and this is a legitimate question what is the deal with sacrifice in the Old Testament? And knowing the answer to that question is important because it's going to allow us to see Jesus the right way when he dies at Easter time. You with me? All right, and so we're going to dig into it. We're going to go there with this aspect of of sacrificial atonement in the Old Testament so that we can know Jesus in it. And so just to be a little bit more personal, uh, I lived in, in North Africa as a missionary for about 10 years, and, um, and I can remember uh, reading this story together with Muslims, and, um, and it was so different than when we read it here, because we, we would open, open this story, or the story of Abraham, and we would ask the simple question, why do you think God put a sacrifice in this story? And for them, there was this aha moment. Because in their culture, every year since childhood, they had watched this ram bleed to death in the courtyard of their house. And having attended a few of those moments, they are as grisly as you would think. Having attended some of those moments, I can tell you, it is impossible to ignore the sense of your own mortality while you are watching this animal die. And, and I remember dialoguing with these young Muslim men and them saying, yes, it's so obvious that this animal is dying and I am not. There's this moment of realization in that place of sacrifice where, where in that culture people said, that could have been me. And the death of an animal is not a pleasant thing. But there's this moment of realization, that could have been me when that animal died. And if you guys will just let James Earl Jones take you another 15 or 20 chapters into the word of God, you are going to see it over and over and over and over again. These moments of atoning sacrifice, okay? And, and the why for this sacrifice question, why do these sacrifices keep coming, is related to this vocabulary term of atonement. And we don't stand on theological terms a whole lot here at Antioch, but this is one worth our time. What is atonement? And what is an atoning sacrifice? So atonement is, I'm going to give you an actual definition here. Atonement is the work that Jesus Christ did in his life and in his death to pay the price of our own penalty for sin. I'm going to say it again. Atonement is the work that Jesus Christ did in his life and in his death to pay the price for punishment that should fall on us. All right? And and if I'm going to explain the why of of sacrifice in the Old Testament, the why of Jesus' death, and the why of atonement, I've got to talk about God. I'm ready to talk about God. All right. So when we read... The Bible and especially when we get into these heavy-duty stories in the Old Testament We seem to see two aspects of who God is and over here We're looking at a a perfect God of justice whose righteousness is a hundred percent a God who cannot and will not ignore evil on the earth He won't ignore it in the land of Egypt where oppression is happening and he won't ignore it in individual lives a God who is so righteous that he doesn't ignore any sin. But at the same time, we're coming to church to worship a God who is loving and kind and merciful. A God who's caring for us is infinite. A God who has invited us to call him father and to be the closest relationship in our life. This God who created us for the purpose of loving enjoyment of him to us and of from him to us and from us to him. And the crazy thing about God is that both of these aspects are true of God all the time. Right? Because even in the Trinity, God is one. And there's a perfect unity of God's character. So God is expressing this aspect of his nature and this aspect of his nature in perfection at all times. And God doesn't change. He doesn't start out like this and become like this. God is God. And he'll always be God. And, and these aspects of God are really God. And these aspects of God are really God. And, and this is where atonement comes in. Because we read through the Old Testament and we encounter these, these things that feel intense and brutal and scary. And we're like, I just want to flip to the book of Matthew again. Right? And in the tension between these two aspects of God, that is where we're going to see atonement happening. Where the God of perfect righteousness is also the God of perfect mercy. And these things feel for a moment, they seem to be in tension, and that is where the atoning sacrifice is going to come. Okay? And in Jesus Christ, God just doesn't provide a lamb that you have to go and spend your paycheck on. God himself comes in the person of Jesus to pay that atoning sacrifice. And that God, who never changes and is always all of who he is, reconciles fully his perfect righteousness and his perfect love by making an atonement that rescues us from death. And when we look at the death of Jesus on the cross, we can say the same thing. We could say, it could have been me. It should have been me. But God made an atonement for us. He paid the price for a penalty that was right to fall on us. In our imperfection and in our sin, we deserved a penalty. But God took that penalty on himself and he made atonement for us. And, and, and I don't want to just gloss over the, the, the nature of God. I don't, you don't just have this explained to you one or two times and, and just get it and understand God. I mean, God, I'm serious. God is not a Rubik's cube. You don't just like sit down and like, oh, I solved it. I understand God. And you just sort of put it in your pocket and walk home. That is not knowing God. That is not knowing God, knowing God. Are you with me? Okay, if you meet somebody who's like, "Yeah, I just figured God out," like me, tell you all about it. Be like, "Mm, "I somehow don't trust you," right? Because all of us in Christianity are on a decade-long, multi-decade, lifetime-long journey of knowing God. A well-lived Christian life could be defined as a long time figuring God out. Okay, come on. And atonement is not easy to understand. And it's not easy to understand because it's not a human idea, okay? It's 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 not like bartering or some other kind of very human idea, okay? Fighting over things, these human ideas, just some some so naturally to us. Atonement is kind of a, is not a very human idea, and it's hard to understand. So I'm going to do my best to to give us some kind of imagery to deal with atonement. <laughs> um, oh man! All right, so. I received, uh, when I first came back from Boston, one of these bright orange love letters from, from the city where I live. And, um, and so I had, so my family, uh, due to some complex circumstances, we were back in Boston. And uh, I was coming, I drove into the city to go to staff meeting. I'm like, yay, I'm going to be part of the staff again, right? So I come into staff meeting, and I park in the wrong place, and sure enough, get one of these. And you know what? I deserved it. I broke the law. It was a just punishment. Okay? Right here. And so it's kind of sticking out of my bag just a little bit when I walk into staff meeting. And lo and behold, Becky Zukowska sees it and says, give me that. And she takes the parking ticket out of my bag and pays it for me. Right. That was a nice thing to do. It was atonement. Right? (laughs) Right? So it wasn't just a nice thing to do. Becky took on herself a just penalty for a like a stupid parking mistake that I made. Okay. It was atonement. Okay. And, uh, and we're, we're, so, we're about to celebrate Easter. There's lots of ways to celebrate at Easter. But what if we started doing this weird heavenly thing called atonement in the world around us? right? Like we could go to the impound lot downtown where all of the law-breaking sinners like me will eventually end up if they don't change their ways. And we could stand outside the gates of the impound lot. And every time somebody walks up, be like, today is your day, buddy. The punishment which fell on your Ford Taurus (laughs) is going to come on me and you're going to go free and drive out of this lot, right? That is atonement. And um, and so, like, so those of you who know me, uh, I'm kind of intense, and I'm trying. So, like, and so within our household, um, I I I have to be a moral lawgiver. So together with Lila, we are establishing moral law. So God is a moral lawgiver for the universe, and at 19 Dwight Street, Lila and I are moral lawgivers to our children because we. We love them. They have to have a moral law to grow up with. And so we, we punish our kids. We send them to time out. And, uh, and I've been trying to, like, read the kids' Bible. I was like, yes, Easter, you know, with my kids. And I'm like, look, Jesus died, and we get to go to heaven. And he was like, that doesn't make any sense, Daddy. And I'm like, uh, uh, And, like, I didn't have anything clever to say. I felt really bad. I was like, what kind of preacher am I? And so, <laughs> so we kind of go back to the drawing board. And we're like, what does it look like for a four-year-old to understand atonement? And I was like, well, four-year-old understands punishment. So we've got that going on in their lives. And so we introduced this new rule, which we try to do every year at Easter. And we call it Redemption Week. We could have called it Atonement Week. But we like the sound of Redemption Week a little better. Um, and so during Redemption Week, we add an additional rule in the Lux household, which is that any other member of our family— may substitute themselves for a person who has a consequence. Yeah, you can imagine how trippy that got uh, around our house. (laughs) But the whole point of this is that we want to connect with the idea of atonement. Okay? I wasn't sacrificing a goat to show my kids how this works. But we have to understand atonement. And we have to understand it in the person of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross in order to pay the penalty for for a punishment that should have fallen on every one of us. And it's at this moment at the cross, which is such a parallel to Passover, where we were in bondage, In oppression. And at this moment of redeeming sacrifice, we walked out as free people. And all it took was for us to do it by faith. We pack our bags, we get the lamb ready, and we do it by faith. And God himself brings the sacrifice that sets us free. That's what Easter is about. That's what Passover is about. And that's what God is about. So I want to invite the band to come forward. So some of you guys this morning uh, are still really hung up on my two halves of the stage thing. Some of you guys have only ever known God like this. The God of judgment. The God who is going to come and get you. And today is the day that God is ready to introduce himself as a loving father in your life. This God of mercy who only wants to love And care for you. Today. But some of you guys. Like the pages of your New Testament. Are all smudgy from fingerprints. And the pages of the Old Testament. Are a little bit like kind of fresh still. Some of you guys have told God. You are not allowed to be like this. And for you too. God is going to take you on a journey. In the scriptures. And in dialogue with him. Read the Old Testament. Open it up. And talk to God. When you read something scary and weird in the Bible, don't just feel scared and weird. Talk to God about it. So today is a day where you can begin to let God be all of who He is in His nature. And talk to Him about letting Him explain it to you in His own way. And there are going to be people here this morning who have never heard this whole atonement thing before. I can remember a time in my own life when I had no idea that this existed. And today is a day when you can know the atoning sacrifice of Jesus who pays for sins and makes us right with God. So don't let yourself out the door without talking to somebody. Talk to somebody that you know here at church. Talk to one of us on staff. Talk to your life group leader. Talk to that friendly guy who talked to you at the door. All right? Don't get out of here. If this is you who's never heard of atonement before, don't leave today until you have had a chance to obtain that sacrifice that pays for your sin. I'm going to pray. And you guys can come forward. If you want to transact with God, there's something that God has spoken to you this morning. Come forward. Take a step by faith. Lord Jesus, we invite you to come. We invite you to come. Come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you showed in yourself the fullness of the nature of God. Thank you that in yourself we see the fullness of righteousness and the fullness of love. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that your function on earth is to show us what God is like. That you're continually revealing God to us. And we want to know, God, would you do this work in our life? Would you take us beyond just human ideas and show us atonement that you bring for sin? We love you and we honor you, Jesus. You are the one who paid it all for us. Worthy is Jesus who died for us. In Jesus' name.